Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend James of FolkPonder.com, located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be joined by a special guest. Miss Elvira of Elvira.com, that's Elvira with a Y, in Arkansas, bringing us today's Oracle Hour topic on the Tarot's Major Arcana. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo conjurer root work as designed and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Ms. Kat? Hi. Nice to hear you today. How are things in your world? Things are well. It's like, uh, like most other people, I'm sure it's getting a little chilly. Um, and I'm sure that people remember whenever we were talking about the tree out in the front of our house that's kind of give way. We're getting that taken care of. And Miss um, Cat, you had mentioned to me at one point about doing uh, certain, you know, vibrational essences um, like flower essences uh, mm-hmm. and remedies. So we're kind of delving into that a little bit. So people may be starting to see some of that in the near future on folkconjure.com. Wow. All right. Well, I see that your partner, Reverend Art, is also here, your your uh, husband and partner in the business. So that's great. Thanks for dropping by, Reverend Art, to hang out in our show. And I also see Angela Ellis here, Balkan Diviner, Doc Murphy, J.D., Phyllis Margaret Gabor, and uh, the one I never can pronounce, either it's Tigav or Tigave or something, that person who I know and love but don't know how to pronounce their name, and Wickway is up. And Tony I, did I mention Tony I? Probably didn't. Anyway, everybody's here. Looks like we're having fun. Tayoga. Oh, says Nagashiva. Tayoga. I don't get Tayoga. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> That's how I heard it. Yes. <laughs> Tayoga. I think so. Tayoga. Okay, got it. Wow, that's real interesting, Tayoka. Okay. Um, anyway, hi all, and thanks for being here. And uh, <laughs> uh, things happening around our place. Let's see. One of the one of those why didn't we do this before moments happened. We had a, a big order that came in, and somebody had ordered cinnamon chips, and they said, you know, I'd really rather have cinnamon sticks. And we went, we have cinnamon sticks. You can just order them. And then we found out we had no skew for them, and we had no label for them. We just had, you know, a couple of pounds of cinnamon sticks that were just there. And when we had put them out, we had labeled them wrongly as cinnamon chips. So 
Now, <laughs> after only 25 years, the cinnamon sticks are properly labeled. It was one of those moments where you just go, what were we thinking? <laughs> people people never, they just, you know, bought cinnamon chips, but it had sticks in the back. Okay. Um, it actually was one of my clients who said she'd called up and they said, we don't have cinnamon sticks. And she goes, but you told me to get cinnamon sticks. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So thanks to that client whose name is Michelle. Um, yeah, so that was one of those moments where you just you think, I don't know what I've been doing for the last 25 years. Anyway, um, <laughs> other things are going very, very well. We um, have an announcement to make. Um, we have a winner. We have six lucky winners for Facebook Fridays for November 3rd, 2023. And each one of these six people has won a bottle of our Crown of Success oil. And if you know them or if they're listening, their names are Claudia Ramirez, Terry Osborne Potter, Leanne Ogletree, Matt Goldpaw, Denise Christensen, and Shanead Williams. I don't know if it's pronounced Shanead, but let's just assume it is. Um, Congratulations, all of you guys. If you are one of the six winners, respond to the message that you find at the Lucky Mojo Facebook page. Send us your mailing address for shipping purposes, and you will be sent your free Crown of Success oil. And remember, if you didn't win this week, we've been doing this since, um, gee, 2014. So just uh, drop on by the Facebook page for Lucky Mojo Curio Company any Friday and just uh, add your name to the comments. Be very careful when you're there. If you get a fake reply that says, just come to my website and register, that's not us. That is the phantom Lucky Mojo of Facebook, which is constantly being taken down, deleted, and remakes itself, and Facebook will not stop them. Uh, But look, when you see that, person, if it says that it has zero or less than 20 followers or friends or likes, that's not us. We have 20 some thousand, 25,000 followers and likes. So just be careful. Don't don't uh, send your, uh, quote, registration to a stranger. Don't send your credit card to them. They might ask for that. But I think we're all getting used to these scams on Facebook and we do the best we can to take them down. All right. Um, yeah, they're fishing. All righty. Um, so I guess the next thing to do is to bring up our topic, which is um, to row trumps. And in order to bring that to us, I'm going to have to bring our special guest because she's the one who brought us the topic. So welcome to the show. Uh, oh, oh, my God. I didn't even say hi to Conjurman. Oops. He was going, what? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, that's what happens when you haven't had your puer tea yet, and you're just staring at it and thinking, I could use some caffeine right around now. All right. <laughs> Let's say hi to Conjure Man first, and then we'll bring in Elvira. Hello, Ms. Ken. Glad to be here, as always, with, with all of you. I, could, I definitely feel you. It has been one heck of a week. It's been so incredibly busy. 
Uh, there's that saying where, where sometimes whole years pass in a week, and it's really, really true. Uh, it's been pretty, pretty busy doing lots of client work. Uh, in particular, uh, for those who celebrate All Saints Day, All Souls Day, or Dia de los Muertos, or uh, Santísimo Muertes Day, this past week was very important. Uh, so I hope that you all had an opportunity to venerate the ancestors, be with your ancestors, to celebrate the dead, to honor the dead, or, or if you're working any type of saint tradition, I hope that you had an opportunity to, to, to be in fellowship with your fellow spirit workers during that time. Uh, no other updates uh, from me. Uh, I'm very excited about this topic, but I do want to do preface uh, that we are living in very strange and unusual times, and we're uh, living through an ongoing war and, and ethnic cleansing that's happening in, in Israel and Palestine. So. Prayers and solidarity to everyone. The largest anti-war protests in American history since the Iraq War uh, just happened this past week. I was at one of them. Pretty intense. The Iraq, for those of you that remember the Iraq War, um, and hopefully many of you do, there was massive, massive protests that happened. Um, unfortunately, they didn't shift the needle too much. Um, but we're, we're starting to see the beginnings of it. There hasn't been really an anti-war movement in America in a long time, but we are starting to see it sort of revive now. So uh, hopefully we, for those of you that do work in spirit, uh, to reach out to your community, to be in fellowship and community, pray for peace, pray for better times, pray for the healing of all civilians and those lives lost. Um, sometimes the, in, in events like this, you almost envy the dead because it's the living that have to keep up and pick up the pieces and have to deal with the loss um, of losing children, of losing family members. So uh, light your candle. This is a day of remembrance. This has been a week of remembrance of the dead, but this can continue. Light your candle, say your prayers, and hope for a better future for all children around the world. So a little bit of a, a brief message about the crisis around the world. Uh, and it's not just Israel and Palestine. There's a genocide going on in the Congo right now that is completely flying under the radar. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people displaced in the Congo uh, that you know almost nobody's been paying attention to. So prayers to the people of the world and the children of the world. All right. Well, as for me, I I'm um I'm an anti-militarist generally, mm. but I'm not a pacifist generally. And my feeling is serial killers, you know, murderers, terrorists, live by the sword, die by the sword, good riddance to them. Try to minimize collateral damage always. But um, people who are uh, gone down a path where they believe they have a right to kill probably don't have a right to live anymore because they're too dangerous to have among peaceful humans. Problem is that people use, um, you know, things like religion, ethnicity, sports team allegiance, whatever it might be that, you know, rocks their boat, skin color, hair texture, over the mountain, by the lake, you know, location, whatever it's going to be. They use these things to inculcate their young with deadly propaganda beliefs. And the young... Um, if they don't use birth control, can be produced at a rapid rate. People can reproduce themselves with 12 children or more. And of those, only one or two males are necessary. And I'm speaking here strictly as a biologist. 
So what happens is that the young men, most particularly, become what are called cannon fodder, and they are used to carry out the wicked dreams of their parents and grandparents. And this Mm -hmm. happens all over the world, that the young boys are sent armed inadequately and sent into kill, 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 and told that they will be rewarded for it either on earth or in heaven. That's how militaries are born. All That's how militaries are born. And so mm-hmm. so when that happens, there's a there's an obligation to try to write things. The 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 poor propagandized people who, who were taught that there is no peace possible and that they must kill people of this other group um are hardly to blame and their grandparents who put them there, but then who's to blame? Their parents and grandparents? And these things go on for centuries. It's very sad. But almost always they go back to some sort of, uh, I guess you could call it uh, text or um, history that they believe to be true, and it may mm. not even be true, and they believe that they are carrying out the will of their ancestors. So be careful. Mm-hmm. And this, the this goes language for, is very, very real. We saw in the United States the language of Jews will not yeah. replace us, people marching down, so you have white supremacy in America, right. you have religious nationalism in Palestine, you have ethno-nationalism mm-hmm. in Israel, the idea that, mm-hmm. that the Likud's charter quite clearly states that there's only one sovereignty possible in Israel, and that is right. the Israelis, right. because they're God's chosen, and the Palestinians are animals. And then in Pakistan, you have language like Muslim supremacy, and so the Christian population is suppressed. So this language of supremacy, whether it's textual supremacy, ethnic supremacy, religious supremacy, is a very real issue issue in an ongoing crisis, whether it's white supremacy, Jewish supremacy, religious supremacy, supremacy, these things are very real, and we're seeing them borne mm-hmm. out on the causes, as you rightly point out, is the children. The children are the ones mm-hmm. who bear out the horrible cause of this language of supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the language of victimhood and injury. The idea that, um, for instance, and people have wondered, I, I'm going to recommend somebody, and this is a little off our topic, but I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel of a man named um, Rabbi Abramson. He's a, a historian. He happens to be a rabbi also. But he, he did a recent YouTube video called Why Do People Hate Jews? And um, it's it's interesting. I mean, he covers the whole gamut, the whole history, particularly from a medieval European point of view. He's a very good uh, Henry Abramson is his name. Very good historian and very moderate voice, a calm voice in the midst of all of this. Um, but, you know, when you see in a scripture where it says that, oh, the Jews, you know, tried to damage Muhammad, therefore we should kill all Jews. These things go back centuries and people believe them. And there's a, a problem with not wanting to abandon the beauty of the religion, not wanting to abandon the cultural bonding, the family tra- uh, traits, the food, the holidays, the the wonderfulness of the cultural religion. But mm. there's also that moment where you kind of have to make a choice. Am I going to become a raving atheist and say all religions are bad because they've done this? Or am I going to say that I'm going to actually pick and choose the good parts of mm. my culture, my religion, my ethnicity, mm. and leave the bad ones. And this is where you end mm. up with moderate people. And I I believe that moderate people of all types can be friends. That's my hope. Mm. 
Yeah, I hope so too. We should we should point out that there is no scripture that says that the Jews are Muhammad in the Quran. That that's not that's not part of the scripture. But there certainly is tensions. There's fo- there is certainly that. folk there's folk belief. I don't believe that it says in the Likud platform that Palestinians are animals either. So just just to try to straight set the record straight, I'm not a Likud yeah, supporter at all. But I would yeah, hardly no... believe that would have been in their platform. But not um, on the platform. But, they, but, but, but they, they've made a today. they've made a big mistake. I mean, I'm again, I'm not Israeli. I've never been to Israel. Um, but they made a big mistake when they decided to make a religious uh, nation out of what was originally a free form, you know. Semitic area, and yeah, that was a problem. Ethno-religious is always a problem, right? Like you see this sort it of is. language. It is. When you see yeah. the ethno-religious, sort of ethno, I should say ethno-nationalist language, for example, uh, in Turkey, right? The, the way in which the mm-hmm. Kurds and the Syrians are persecuted by the sort of Turkish nationalism. Religion, right. is a, religion can be an incredibly beautiful thing, but when you start to fuse it with the state, when you say mm-hmm. this state is blank religion or blank ethnicity, and it's exclusively that way, whether it's Christian nationalism, Muslim nationalism, Jewish nationalism, then you get to like weird and funky and violent things, right? You end up mm-hmm. with stuff like people marching with tiki torches. You get with like, look, there's right. a lot of beauty in finding ways to bind together. There's a lot of beauty in ethnicity. There's nothing wrong with ethnicity, yeah. right? Like you could genuinely right. cherish your heritage and, and look at like thousands of years and look at our culture and look at but once you start to apply power, once you start to tie it into the state and go, This state is blank ethnicity, this state is blank religion, then then you the the, the potential for catastrophe is so bad. I'm gonna go one step farther back in history. Once you have the concept of a state, you've already ruined everything. Yeah, right, right, right. The the concept of a state, of a monarch, of a caste, of a leader, of an empire, of a kingdom, that's already the problem right there. And so I think we can bring this conversation to a a moderate (laughs) close, can we? Yeah. Okay, I hope so. I hope so. There's a there's a lot to be said for abandoning the concept of of government at all and making making do with um free co-op anarchism that actually might work better I like to think so at least mm. there's nobody to to be excluded when everyone is included all right. Well, now we get to go to Elvira. I knew that was going to take a while because of of our personal histories. And, and this is a you know this is you have two co-hosts who are looking at something with different sets of eyes, um, but friendly. So let's bring in Elvira, who comes from a whole nother reality. <laughs> Hi, Elvira. Welcome. Hi there. Hi. Um. So, tell us what's new in your world. What's going on in the wilderness where you make your home? Well, believe it or not, it actually fascinates me that, um, one, I seem to wander around and I, of course, radiate alternate consciousness, sort of, I'm not really a hippie, but we'll talk about it being, you know, the free-form California living and course my jewelry and everything radiates you know witchcraft etc or wicca or pagan or however you're going to define it 
And it seems to attract good, when I say good things, it seems to attract people that get really excited and suddenly open up and talk with me. I will go to my UPS store to pick up my mail, and I always open doors for everybody and smile, and, you know, they're like, thank you. And then suddenly, you know, somebody starts to talk to me about something. Um, So I was concerned when I came here because, obviously, this is the South, and it has a very uh, more Christian religious structure that, you know, Mm. pushes certain uh, parameters uh, in terms of where I would come, you know, where my beliefs are. So it's been a little kind of like, oh, well, what do I do? Well, I find out that my neighbor right below me, I have, we're in like this two-tiered little um, community, and she and I have gotten really close, and she suddenly started telling me, oh, she used to read the playing cards, and oh, well, yes, she was raised Christian, but, you know, she's now doing oracle cards, and she does all these things, and she knows what I do. I kind of kept everything quiet until I figured out, and so we have this really wonderful experience. Another lady moved from Sebastopol and uh, came here, and we found each other actually uh, at the end of winter when we had the huge ice and snowstorm. Um, we were at the same vet because we're about five minutes away from it, and she's going, oh, yes, this is my phone number, 707, and the next thing I'm saying is, is that from, you're from Santa Rosa, and we started talking, and the next thing we know, we're, we're coming to, you know, that friend level of going out and hanging out together, and then I find out, now, understand, there aren't many metaphysical stores here. Um, there's one, a really nice one, which carries Miss Cat's book and, you know, stuff like that, and it's called the Four of Wands, and it's in Fayetteville, which is the headquarters or home of Northwest Arkansas, so it's our university. So it's kind of, you know, that sense, not quite like Berkeley, but that area of, you know, people, and then there's another place called Eureka Springs, and they've got a bunch of different wonderful crystal stores and metaphysical stores and all kinds of stuff up there, and I kind of say it's like um, Sausalito marrying Guerneville. That's how it, it functions. <laughs> that. That's funny. Well, yeah, it's good well, to they, know you've, the... you've you've landed on your feet and you have found friends in strange lands. Yes, I have. I even found in my little town, which is 15 minutes away from my home, I've driven by and I found this thing that said crystals, beads. And jewelry, and you'd know that when somebody says crystals, that's kind of like a key phrase, a word. And I mm-hmm. finally went in the other day, and it's it's under the guise of a lot of things. But she's been there 24 years, and it's a metaphysical store. And I was just like, oh my god, I don't have to go cool. 45 minutes away. <laughs> so yeah, you you know, that's it's, cool. It's very interesting here. Finding your connection, I love that. Yeah, that's yep. that's neat. Yep. Well, today you're bringing us the topic of the Tarot Trumps, so I'd like to get into that. I want to start with a couple of um, little background pieces to this. So first of all, and I guess now is um, possibly the time for Shiva to start making these posts, um, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron is a radio podcast that Elvira's been doing for years and years, and um, worked on it with co-host Miss Phoenix, and she's now doing it with her co-host Deb Voith. So uh, 
Elvira is the witch, the priestess and the cauldrons, you know, sort of through line. And she, um, they did a whole series on the Tarot Trumps on their podcast, which are available. And Shiva has um, presumably uh, started by putting through, I don't see what he's got here, the Crystal Silence Leagues, the which the Priest and Crosters and the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour links. Now, when you go to the one that says the Witch of Calder, and if you pick up that link and go to it, it will get you to a page at the Lucky Mojo Forum that will give you the list of all the links, because there's so many of them, right? And then there we also had a show, the Crystal Silence League radio podcast with John St. Germain, and he also did a series on the Tarot Trumps. And so Shiva has also posted that link, and it's a forum link, and it will get you to that forum page with all of the Crystal Silence League um, shows. I'm kind of hoping that we can maybe do something with these, um, make it make them more available to people. And I've been talking it over with Deacon Millet. We have some ideas. But these were two entirely different series. So now if, you, if you're in the chat, you can grab those links. If you're listening to this over the airwaves at a later date, go to the chat log for this show and you will find all of those links. Um, and you'll be able to see what we've done about Tarot in the past, including weird tarot decks you never heard of, and tarot spells and tarot reading tips, which were part of this show. All right. Having said that, let's turn this over to Elvira. All right. Okay. Well, um, I was actually mentioning before we started the radio show, when I learned the tarot, I had a teacher who the very first thing she had us do was start on the Major Arcana as a personal development to learn these cards, not to read them, even though this was the outcome that we were going to get to. So it was to find, you know, the way these Major Arcana cards work with our life, present life, and our spirit path. And so we started with the Fool as the beginning step where it would be the child in our physical world experience of life or it would be the spirit the soul that is coming into the physical realm to experience it connected to the child's physical body and then we wandered you know through each one of these we would meditate on them we would experience you know connecting and talking about them and of course with that were all of the different um symbols and things that this would be part of but it was always the first half was about experiencing the archetypes the images that we were um, seeing and, and then the actions because you have for instance the um, pool then you go into you know you have the high priestess you have the magician you have you know the hierophant or the high priest and the emperor and the empress, and you have them in different stages of life. And then you have all the action cards that are the wheel of life or the wheel of fortune and, you know, justice and different ones that have, you know, meaning, which is the, the actual action or experience. So, you know, the 22 can I, can I, cards. Can I, just, can I just want to butt in here because you sure. went really past 
something that I thought was so important. I wanted to comment on it before we go too far away from it. You said that your teacher taught you the major arcana as a spiritual learning path before teaching you divination. And I'm curious, can you give us the name of who that was? Well, um, actually, she's no longer teaching, and I can't give you your name because I have, in the very myriad of things, forgotten her. But she... um, she wrote a book, Destiny of Wheel of Destiny, I think it is called. And it Wheel was of about, Destiny. Uh, okay. Wheel of Destiny. I believe that is the thing that she finally did write. Um, I know uh, she lived in Southern California, and at the time, <laughs> I found <laughs> out later, she also did readings for uh, Shirley MacLaine and a bunch of. Oh, my gosh. Uh, people that were very famous in the industry at that time. Um, okay, the, the, the yeah. reason I bring this up is I learned divination with Tarot first, and so I didn't. I thought of the Trumps as the Trumps, not the major arcana. And mm-hmm. I want to just bring mm-hmm. this forward to listeners who are new to this. If someone refers to it as the Trumps, they're talking about a game in which you have trick-taking, a Tarochi is the name of the game, and the Trumps are the Trumps. They're just like Trumps in Bridge mm-hmm. or whatever they would be. If the person mm-hmm. refers to it as Major Arcana, they're usually coming out of a more mm, metaphysical standpoint, probably derivative of or associated with or imitative of the Golden Dawn teachings or the... Um, or the builders of the Aditum, which is a kind of a Golden Dawn run-on. That's why I was asking who this was, because you Uh, you just launched into Major Arcana. I didn't run into those people myself until the um, 60s, and I hmm. ran into the builders of the Aditum, and they were the first people I knew who said, you know, this is the Major Arcana, this is the fool's journey, you start here. And divination, we were not divining, we were painting, watercoloring, black and white cards till we learned the meaning of every color and the meaning of every card. And it was a a long, many multi-week series of lessons. Uh, Wickway is up, says, is the name Nancy Guerin. Okay, because I just... Art Art says there's a book called The Wheel Hmm. of Destiny, The Tarot Reveals Your Master Plan. Yep. Oh, Patricia McLean. Patricia McLean. Ah, okay, McLean. there it is. Patricia MC McLean. McLean. Yeah, I see it. Reverend Art got it. Thank you, Reverend Art. You mm-hmm. just won a brownie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's a callback to an old show. Um, and, <laughs> and and Nagashiva says they're also known as triumphs or triumphi. That's correct. They are known that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I just I, I just wanted to bring that in because what we're talking about when we're talking about the Tarot Trumps as separated from what we're called sometimes the lesser arcana, the minor arcana, mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. pip cards. See, I was taught those were the pip cards because that's what you would call them in playing cards. Um, right. You know, right. they have ever so many pips on them um, or spots, you know, images. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a. This is too... Uh, it's like a big, it's like if it's a phylogenetic tree of Tarot, this is where that tree splits fairly early on. But then it doesn't split so completely that it doesn't, um, uh, that it loses the ability to cross-pollinate and produce fertile offspring. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> these are not two species of Tarot, but they are like separated and then 
their cousins, and then there are some second cousin marriages here, and you end up with people who do both divination and use the, the uh, major arcana um, symbolically. So just had to throw that in. Keep on going, Elvira. Okay, great. Um, yeah, that that it's it's interesting because when I learned, it was during a time I needed the more esoteric side of the world rather than divination, even though that's what, um, how I say, was the carrot before the horse, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, it's basically, again, just like, you know, it's a roadmap. The, the major arcana become a roadmap to, you know, mysteries of spiritual, your spiritual life. And then you learn, you know, from there. So, um, you know, I also want to say that, you know, the 22 there are 22 major arcana cards, even though you go from 0 to 21. And that, as you know, is a master builder number. So, yes, there are there are crossovers to esoteric teachings in that. Oh, um, but also, I just I got to jump in again. There are ahead. esoteric teachers who will teach 0 to 21. And there are esoteric teachers who will teach 1 to 22. Right. And in numerology, 22 and 11, 22, and 33 are these master numbers. So there are people who, I mean, you can argue it either way. What's zero? What's 21? What's 22? What's one? Um, and different um, schools of esoteric teaching will give those to you differently. Again, I'm just trying to fill in the big picture because I know that so many people listen to the show who are like, what's the tarot anyway, right? And so you have to sort of start, <laughs> right? Um, you got to sort of start. Why is it pronounced Tarot if it has a T on the end? I don't know. Why is Chevrolet pronounced Chevrolet if it has a T on the end? French, you think? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But, you know, there's right. all these, these questions that people have. Um, I'm going to uh, jump in here with a Contraman for a second. Um, sure, go ahead. Were you, were you introduced to the Tarot through the esoteric uh what I would call Trump teachings, or were you introduced through divination with the courts, the Trumps, the Pips? The divination through and through. I didn't have uh, any knowledge of the esoteric background until much later. Um, and in fact, the, like the original use of the tarot was almost identical to playing cards uh, in that they had very little connection to sort of the Western mystery tradition. And it wasn't until I sort of encountered the Golden Dawn-esque type groups that I started to hear more and more about that. But the oldest practice that I saw, particularly in Hoodoo, was just a purely divination practice. But there is one interesting approach that they had. So one thing that my teacher did, Mama Jay, who's a, one of the few root doctors in Virginia that actually used tarot and not playing cards, um, if she wanted to ask big questions. Let's say she came, someone came to her and was asking about something like ancestral issues. She would actually remove the major arcana from the minor and then just read the major arcana, which was very Whoa. interesting. So she would take yeah. them out and go, because this is a big picture question, I'm asking cosmic level questions. I'm going to ask just the major arcana. So she would actually pull mm-hmm. them out, eat every single one of them, shuffle them, and then read those. So you, have, you end up with like two decks, a minor arcana deck and a major arcana deck, and she would just read the major arcana, and I thought that was very cool. That's, that is very, very cool. And when was this? What About what year and what, this who was, was the nine, teacher? This was Mama J, and I would say 1994, 95 is when I first hmm. saw her do it. 
Wow, wow. That's fascinating. Okay. So um, as you can tell, folks, there are many ways of handling this distinction between the the uh, Trumps and the, quote, regular cards. And um, the um, the way that people deal with them often is depends on the deck they have. In my deck, which is the Rider Waite deck, the Trumps have Roman numerals at the top, as do the uh, other cards. But, of course, they go higher. There are more numbers, right? And for people who don't read uh, Roman numerals, it can be a chore. <laughs> They're sitting there going, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, the devil, X, V, mm, mm, oh, that's 15. But luckily, on the Rider Waite, others derivative of it, the trumps have the name of the card at the bottom, whereas the pips do not. So if, for instance, you had the card of strength, it's number eight in Roman numerals, but if you went to a card that was an eight, it would have an eight at the top also, but it would not have that line at the bottom with the word. And so just as an example, the Eight of Pentacles, it just has an eight at the top, and that's it. But that's the kind of thing that will drive people crazy when they're learning tarot because they get confused. Now, not every deck is like this. That's why Rider Weight became so popular because it made it easier to tell the Trumps apart from the other ones, except for that the Marseille deck makes it even easier, except for that there's no pictures on the pip cards, which makes it harder to interpret them because you got to memorize everything. Okay, having said that... <laughs> Let's go back. Let's. We, I hope we've brought everybody up, kind of up to date with us here. And let's go on, Elfira. Now you were talking about the. Uh oh, what, what was that? Uh oh, we're not. We're not ready for being gone yet, are we? Oh no. You can extend it if you'd like to only take one client tonight, Miss Cat. Oh please, yes. We haven't even gotten into the whole thing yet. <laughs> not Very good. Like we'll that. take one client. Go on. All right, let's go on. All right. So now we're okay. turning it back over to Elvira. Take it away. Okay, so basically, just to give a rundown, um, you know, the the fool, obviously representing soul child, is the leap of faith, and it begins the quest. So it's like the spirit coming into physical form and moves forward. And, of course, the mage or the magician is the as above, so below, as within, so without consciousness. So it basically taps into magic. It taps into the elements, the power of nature. Um, Again, high priestess is more the maiden. It's intuition. It is a quiet, calm, seeking inner knowledge. And again, as I said, these cards also start to represent the human that we are and what we are, where we are going. So it kind of moves into that. And then you kind of go to the empress and she's the mother. And out of Mm -hmm. that, you're getting more the feminine power and more of that, um, the love nature and the energy of that. And then of course the opposite father is emperor. And that's more your, um, the intellect, but also, you know, sovereignty, reason, and using that and balancing that, you know, getting more into that part of this, the energy pattern. And again, we have high priest, hierophant, and that also is another aspect of the same emperor 
process, but it is more the answers of, you know, the counselor, the wise, the wise pe- uh, person, the, the, that, that energy that works with um, getting into uh, the teacher, not, you know, in that term. Then you get to the lovers, which everyone loves, of course, no matter what it is. Um, and that's kind of the choices. It's also um, challenges to experience between balancing the masculine, the feminine, the yin, the yang. And, of course, we have, you know, there's always, you know, a lot of cards. I can't say every one of them has an angel, which is the, the, the helping you choose wisely, the image of helping you choose wisely, the higher value. Chariot, of course, is, you know, willpower, focus. And I know that we see that the animal is always running in opposite directions. And if you think about it, we're trying to get self-control and deal with obstacles and sort of move ourselves. So it moves us to learn how to go into, instead of pulling either direction, to kind of pull together as a team. And then you have strength, which, again, brings in it's the wise use of your personal power as opposed to just stomping on somebody and getting, you know, getting your way by physical or mental or emotional power over consciousness. And then you go to the hermit, which I always love. And he's more the wise one. He's like the wise elder. And he may, you know, be somewhat removed, but that's because he has more um, self-discipline and he's working on that process. So that is another, that again, you're dealing with a more of a personal nature versus obviously chariot and strength, which are actions. And then you wind up going into the wheel of fortune, which is seasonal. So it's cyclic. It's working with cycles and, and you know, things that come around, whether it's the same thing that comes around in your personal life or the same thing and you're doing a spiritual experience and you see tripping over the same things and gives you time to introspect and then move forward, balance, and equilibrium and cause and effect and working with, you know, that integrity. And I, you know, I know hanged man is one that everybody freaks out on, and I understand, but it's initiation. And when you do initiation with, through an actual experience in your life, it isn't always the most pleasant, and it does challenge you. So, of course, this is an action-based process, and it's also transitional and you also look at it from the opposite it's kind of like shifting your perspective from personal to a more spiritual opposite effect and then you have death which everyone goes oh my god it's transformation and change period and nothing ever says fear like that to people but it's also about again cycle of life and change letting go of what is no longer necessary or being challenged to let go of something that is not appropriate and to move forward into what may feel like an unknown and again change temperance is alchemy that is the card of bringing the higher vibration and um, a restoring equilibrium and using restraint but also healing and and it's it's God, it's, again, these are the, the higher interpretations, but they have their other meanings. And then you have the, de- the devil, which, interesting, is the shadow side or the shadow self. And sidebar is with Deb and myself, we've just gone through a series uh, for our radio shows about the shadow self and what to do and how to, how to handle bringing that, you know, process into um, a higher value, but this is 
you know, again, you walk with the shadow, you start dealing with the, uh, the issues, you start changing and um, learning again how to shift. These are all actions and all about change. And, of course, then you come to the tower, which is um, basically it's a reevaluation and it can be dramatic, it can be very destructive, upheaval, um, but it also, again, sets up clearing away. And, you know, one of the things that I found um, in things that I've dealt with, because I've had husbands that are, are construction people, and you have to tear apart something to build something back up again. And I understand it that it into that level there. And then you go to the star, which is healing, and it's inspiration and renewal. It's wisdom. It's giving you creativity and becoming able to physically and emotionally heal. And, again, an action. Then you go to the moon, which is personal. That's the crone. That's, you know, your deep psychic abilities and powers and your ability of intuition and you've honed everything. You've gone through all of this stuff, and there you are with this um, crone or this, you know, like, again, the hermit, the wise one. And then the next one is an action, which is the sun you've achieved. You've, you've acquired personal power. You have gained spiritual wholeness. You've done something in that level. Then you go to what they call, the, you know, last judgment, karma. It's, again, about cycles and changes and honoring those changes and growing, again, deeper spiritual energy, deeper magical abilities and awareness. And then you go to the world, which, again, brings in the wholeness and um, the journey and the lessons that you have mastered for this part of your journey. And, again, like everything, it's cyclic. So, you, you know, you go through the spiral and you move, and then you go back again to the fool. And that's how I have learned what I did was start with that and go then into the, the divination side and, you know, bring it down into that level. But this is what I, I learned with. That's, hmm. Catherine was bumped out. I'm going to get her back on now. Oh, we just okay. lost this cat. That was fascinating. I've okay. never, I've never actually seen an approach to the to the tarot like that. So this is very new to me, but I find it thoroughly interesting. I, I love the, I love that the crone here represents this sort of depth of psychic ability, and and because I mean it also makes sense because the crone is not just innate ability; it's ability that's been built over time, right? She represents yeah. she represents the wisdom of time. Like psychic ability, there's a natural component to it. Like you're born with psychic ability. But there's also the honing of it that comes from like years and years of experience and years and years of knowledge and years and years yeah. of application. So the crone here represents that not just ability, but that ability plus time almost, if I understand it correctly, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. That is very that is very cool. And so does this manifest itself um like when you are doing an actual tarot reading with the major arcana, does this manifest not just in the way that you interpret the cards, but does this show up in things like how you pull a spread or how you um you know, you lay down the cards? So there's one there's the interpretive component, but then is there like a practical, like the way it manifests in the actual shuffling of the cards or the pulling of the cards for you? Well, now, when my teacher taught us, she mm-hmm. basically t- 
taught the 12 um, houses and Mm -hmm. then she put us into that. And then you had, you know, cards in the center for the core and then you had Mm. pillars for, you know, the masculine or feminine and you would read, but see, because of the 12 houses, and, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have two cards. You'd usually put one card down and you would work with that. And a lot of times when we went from the major arcana to using the minor arcana, we, as was said, it's mundane events. So you have a major lesson or a major point of reference that you need to focus on with a minor uh, reference of how that happens in your life or how it is happening in your life. And so that was how it got built into using the entire tarot deck, the 78 card. But that's, basically, that's really cool. she just, yeah, she just trained us on learning the. the I'm going to show you guys a, a little uh, trick that I was taught. If you take your trumps and just start sorting them, there's a whole bunch of them have one, um, figure, one symbolic emblematic being mm-hmm. facing forward, you know, like the empress, the emperor, the world, justice, the magician, so forth and so on. There are, and, and um, Elvira mentioned this before, there are some with angels on them. And these angels are usually considered to be three, which are um, the lovers, uh, the judgment, and temperance. But uh, the devil is really the fourth angel. He has wings, but they are bat wings, and he has the symbol for Saturn in his hand, which would indicate he is the archangel Cassiel. But once you start looking at these angels, they always have something below them. Even temperance has these two cups. And then you can start looking for cards that have something above and two things below, which are not people facing forward. So you have the tower, you have the moon, and you have the chariot. But when you look at the chariot, you all of a sudden say, oh my God, there are wings on this one. So now it's kind of like kind of like an angel that has wing, a sun with wings and facing forward. And it also has things below it, like all of the angel and devil cards do. So there's a, then you look at the moon, you go, well, maybe that's another one, although there's no wings. So there's a sort of a hierarchy that you can start thinking about of cards with beings on them and cards with beings above other things and when you do that and if you you know just play it out and look at it you'll all of a sudden see that there's one card that doesn't fit any of this and that card is the wheel of fortune it has this wheel in the middle and on the wheel is the letters r-o-t-a rota which means wheel and t-a-r-o-t which means tarot Mm -hmm. just a funny little card trick yeah yeah and different a different way of sorting them Oh, yeah. And then then you take those and when you group them, if and this is something she also was doing as layers is that you group them together and they have um, they have the meanings of what those those experiences are about or that lesson or that that uh, set of esoteric principles. And Mm -hmm. it was um, I mean, you found one version. She did something similar for her version. And it basically um, the oh, I do have to mention she was part of the builders of the Adidum. And she must have been. I was going to say that the people I ran into from the BOTA had similar teachings. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that was where I kind of I kind of crossed over on that that process to the esoteric side. Of course, I also 
personally, personally, except as a kid, but Israel mm-hmm. Rigardi, who I knew as Francis Rigardi, was a mm. um, colleague of my father's, and I would run into him <laughs> as a kid <laughs> when I would come see my dad at his office, and he had another office next to my dad. So I didn't know this until, obviously, way, way later, and when I started saying, Israel Rigardi, I'm, look, I'm doing a golden dawn, and my father goes, well, that's Francis Rigardi. And I went, huh? <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Well, again, yeah. for those who uh, who are new to this and who we are trying to you know, bring along and bring up to speed, um, Israel Rigardi wrote, uh, he, he was um, a one who wrote about the golden dawn system of the Lurianic tree of life. Boy, that was a mouth, mouthful. Yeah, so, um the Kabbalah, which is a metaphysical Jewish system of correspondences and beliefs and meditation and self-training and spirituality, which is not inherent in ancient Judaism and not all Jews practice it at all. But Israel Brigardi uh, wrote about it extensively after the so-called hermetic revival of the 19th century. He wrote about it into the early 20th century. And because of his work and the work of the builders of the Adatum, who also came out of this um, judophilic um, metaphysical strain, the uh, the tree of life, which is a system of working your way through the planets and through the up to heaven, actually appears on the cards, and the best place you can find it would be on the Ten of Pentacles. And the Ten of Pentacles has the entire Kabbalistic or Lurianic tree of life laid out on it. And so you can also see part of it on the Five of uh, Pentacles. And it, it just sort of pops up now and then in these cards that mm-hmm. Arthur Edward Waite and Pamela Coleman Smith drew because they were members of the Golden Dawn. So that design is used by what is called path working, where you draw lines between them all, and there's just it's complicated. Just look up Tarot path working. What? It tells like a story. Yes, exactly. The story that Elvira is talking about in the Trumps is part of that larger attempt to integrate the Tarot with the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. It is a later, uh, what we call a retcon. I mean, it was an attempt to put it into it. Probably the guy who first kind of came up with a, a really popular version of it um Oswald Wirth, Arthur Edward Waite, they were all these guys who were working on this at the same time. Aleister Crowley also worked on it. And they all had their little wrinkles on it, whether they should swap strength and justice one way or the other way, and whether all the signs of the zodiac should be fitted into it. And you can drive yourself crazy trying to, to make it all work out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it is a a way of looking at these cards. Now, what I do with the cards that are the trumps when I'm divining, I look at them very similar to what Conjurman said his teacher, Mama J, did. I look at these, for the most part, staring right at you. In some of the other cards, I'm going to give some examples, three of cups, you're looking at three women. The um, Some of them do look at you. Some of the court cards stare right at you. But most of the time, it's almost like you've tuned in to um, you know, a, a television show in progress or a movie in progress. Here's a guy rowing a woman across the lake, you know. Oh, look, here's a guy carrying some heavy lumber. And But the trumps tend to stare right at you and grab your attention. And for this reason, 
even in divination that doesn't use the journey of the soul modality to describe the trumps, the trumps are more important because as my teacher, Mrs. Hare said, this could be you, the card reader. When she looked at the high priestess, she would hold it up and she'd say, pay attention to what your old card reader tells you. And she identified herself as that person. And then she began to show me that other cards in the trumps could be identified as people. Your guardian angel, for instance, you know, um, your second cousin once removed death. I mean, you know, whatever. these, These are entities and they are engaged somewhat in action, like the fool is about to fall over a cliff and strength is taming a lion. But many of the trumps stare right into your eyes. And those are the ones that it's often most appropriate when dealing with clients to try to identify who is that trump in their question is it them is it the person they're asking about is it the wise guidance you should give them cards are somewhat on another level than the you know the regular old cards you know with bunny rabbits hopping through them (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely so um Contraband, when you work with the Trumps, do you still ever just read just the major arcana? I have. Not often. I I haven't done it often, but I did it once for an ancestral curse to determine if there was an ancestral curse, where it originated from. And in a very similar way to what you just described, it was who it was, because the major arcana can represent these individuals, to originate the actual context of the ancestral curse. But I have done it a few times. Um, and those were the, really the context that I saw my teacher do. And again, she was one of the few hoodoo practitioners that actually used the tarot in Virginia. Most people used uh, uh, playing cards. But when she pulled those major arcana out, she was asking these kind of big picture questions. And so I've tried it, um, and it does work. If you're looking to like mm-hmm. really get to the source of an ancestral curse, pull the major arcana out, shuffle them, and then read those cards. I did just a very simple three-card cut, and it really showed. I don't remember the exact cards, but it does show you very clearly like where does the ancestral curse come from, what is the context of the ancestral curse, and even how if you can break it. So try it out. Yeah. I'll say one other thing. There's nothing quite like reading for a person with a full deck, and all of a sudden you just get three trumps in a row. That's that's kind of a big wake-up call that this is an important reading. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you, Elvira. We could have done a whole lot more on that, but I'm I'm so glad you brought it to us. I hope we've taught thank people you. some some new ways to look at the trumps. Remember, folks, before we get into our um, client tonight. Go back. I'm going to ask Nagashiva to post that again because people will have come in since the first time and they won't be able to see it now. Please post again that list of links to the Witch Priestess and Cauldron shows on the Tarot Trumps, the Crystal Silence League shows on the Tarot Trumps, and all of the Lucky Mojo shows previous to this on Tarot. Yeah, he just posted it. And then we'll take it out again when we're going through the chat again because it'll be redundant but I wanted people to be able to see it and copy it. Okay time to turn this over to um, Reverend James and he's going to bring us our client. Thank you Miss Kat. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our client is Tamara, writing in or calling in from Indiana, 631. Tamara, are you there? I am. Welcome, welcome. Um, and you indicated that you've had no, no, one, no other readers on this situation. Is that correct? No. I mean, yes, that's correct. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and she writes, I have an order of protection against a former state prison inmate who was in my group where I volunteered. He sought out my Instagram last year and pretended he was someone else. After confronted, he sent a series of disturbing emails with delusions of how we are meant to be together. I reported this to the chaplain and was instructed to make a police report and get the parole officer. A year has, been, has gone by, and he has contacted me again with claims that he won't stop. There is now a warrant out for his arrest, although they don't know where he is. I have put up protection, but I'm wondering how others might approach having someone found. I'm turning it over to you, Ms. Kelly. Holy moly, Summer, you're describing my life. I, oh. had, I had this exact same thing happen to me. Um, and it was a number of years ago, um, a guy who was um, incarcerated, but he was on a mental health hold, but he would, had been in and out of the hosp- mental health hospital, um, began faxing me messages on the mental hospital's stationary using their fax machine while he was supposed to be locked up, right? Um, saying that I was his fiance and he was coming to get me, and uh, and it was scary as all hell. My heart oh sank when I saw that. I lived in fear of that man for more than a year. He got out. He kept on writing to me. He was found again. They would never tell me because you know it's HIPAA laws and they can't tell me you know yeah. all the truth of what he's doing. They did. One person did tell me he was well over six feet tall, had a beard, was unshaven, and was built like a man mountain. Boy, that made my self confidence go up. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's really two things I'm going to recommend for you. I'm going to read the cards, but there are two things I recommend for you. Um, you're confident in your protections. That's really, really good. You you say you want to find, to have him found so that he will be arrested. That's a second question. And I need you to, to, to tell me, just you are doing both, right? You're doing both. You're being protected and, and yes. you're trying to get him found. Okay. Wow. I'm going to read um, with the Trumps only because, hey, you know, this is the Trump day. So um, they're a small pack to shuffle, I'll tell you. Just doing my little (laughs) Hindu shuffle because I can't riffle shuffle them. And, oh, my God. All right. Great. I I was going, this isn't going to come up, is it? But it did. It's the card of death. Mm. Yippee. Okay. 
Uh, oh, great. <laughs> so this guy is a serious threat to you. Death mm-hmm. rides forward for a time. When the sun comes up at the back of the card, death stops his ride. But there are people he has harmed or killed. I don't know if he's actually mm-hmm. killed people literally, but there's a guy lying there dead on the ground. There are young women or girls fainting and falling back, and there is a bishop who is praying and saying, stop this. <laughs> and we don't know mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen here, but this is a card saying that this is still in progress. This guy is a serious danger to you. The yes. bishop is interesting to me because he represents an authority figure here. Death represents the Black Plague. He's inexorable. This is really, really bad. He may have other women in sight as well. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Okay, because this is a really bad situation. Very, very bad card. I'm not happy with it at all. Um, The next card is the Hermit. Now, the Hermit is one of the very few Trumps, and I didn't mention this. Most of the Trumps face us straight on. A couple of them look to the future, death being one of them, and a couple of them, few of them, look to the left, strength and the hermit. And I almost was going to mention that, but now it's been mentioned for me. The hermit looks back, death looks forward, and the hermit is holding up his lantern. In a way, the hermit echoes the position of the bishop. If you know your cards, you know what I'm saying. But this tells me you need to actually go into even more hiding because the hermit is retreat and hiding. Um, You can keep your lamp out there and people can find you but you definitely need to kind of gray out he's in gray clothes against a gray sky you need to not stand out in any way that this guy can find you this is um, serious business what sign of the zodiac are you I'm a Capricorn Capricorn okay you're you're smart and strong the reason I asked is uh, this card is you know these cards are associated with different um, signs of the zodiac but he's on top of a mountain that's a good Capricorn thing retreat to the mountain tops that's a Capricorn you know the stronghold up in the mountain um, the third card and I, I wish I could say this is going to be like oh so fun you know and uh, now we have the sun and uh, you know no we don't we have justice and oh. so Justice says there are two aspects to justice, uh, two two aspects to the law, criminal law and contract law, more or less, you know, civil law, Mm -hmm. criminal law. Uh, You're going to have to do some work to get him banished. That's the justice holds a sword. You're going to have to do some work also to balance your own emotions because this is going to be an up and down ride for you. But really what is needed here is the sword and the protection of justice. Okay. Now, these cards don't say how to get him found. That was your question. How do I find him? But the best I can do on that is that he's also in hiding. The hermit is also kind of a hidden message for him. He's saying, you know, you can't find me. Justice is your best hope. This means uh, be in contact with whatever correctional facilities, social workers, uh, law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I know that in my case, I was saved by a policeman who I'd been calling, please help, and he was like, I cannot help. You know, I can't even tell you if he's in or out again because it's HIPAA laws. I can't do anything. It's Mm -hmm. private stuff. And finally, I called up, and this um, 
I got two helpers, actually. One guy in the mental health institution who was just on, on night watch. He said, is he doing that again? I'm going to tell him to stop. And then it stopped for like three months. And I believe he was physically violent to the guy. But then the guy got out mm. and I called the cops. And the cops said, there's nothing I can do. And he said, but, you know, I can go make a welfare check on him. Yeah, I think I'll give him a wellness call. And I never heard from the guy again. And mm. I never I never said to the cop, what did you do? Did you just kill him for me? Or did you scare the shit out of him? I don't know. The guy mm. says, I'm off duty now. I'm on my way home. I'll just give him a, a welfare checkup. And he solved my problem. So there are things that, that the mm. cops can do that they might not tell you. You might want to put in a prayer for that kind of work. So that's my my uh, thought on it. I'm going to pass this over to Elvira. Well, interesting, because um, <laughs> you're going to love this. I got the first card was Justice. Oh. Um, which is, you know, in my deck, it's it's because mine is the Witch's Tarot, and she is sitting with the card, with the with the, the sword and the balance scales between the pillars and the purple, you know, and all of that. So I echo what Miss Cat has said about going through the justice system, going into that process mm-hmm. and utilizing it. The second card is. Um, would be the last judgment in the rider deck. It's called Karma, which I thought was really interesting as what we're talking about. And three women are doing circle work, and it's the dark of the moon. So my feeling here is that karma will come to him through at the time of the dark of the moon. So justice, I feel, will be brought to bear, and he will wind up having karma, you know, in terms of caught, captured, whatever, and again, this is very profound because I got the death card. Now, in my wow. deck, it is, I know, now that's what really shocked me, is two cards out of three we both got. Um, they're, they're, you know, different placement. But the death card mm-hmm. in mine has obviously the skeleton and, you know, on the, on the horse. But there is a young man holding up the skull and victory. So to me, this part represents that, he will wind up having the um, justice department, police, etc., victoriously get him and put him through the karmic means back into um, a place where you are safe. So um, to me, that's what this represents. And if you do work, um, do it um, dark moon to dark moon. All right. Wow. That's amazing. I don't think I've ever seen some a reading like that. The fact that we agree on this, I'm going to go one step further. To me, this says that uh, this must end with his death, I guess. Is, I mean, I'm trying to say that nicely, yeah. but that's where it's got yeah. to end. Um, let's turn this over to uh, Contraman and see what he has to say in the way of readings. Yeah, I mean, excuse me, root work in the way of root work. I think you've gotten some really good advice here. I'm going to give you a couple workings for the situation. First, um, I think part of the reading for me, especially the sort of the mountaintops and especially you being a Capricorn, really tells me that you might consider for a period of time, especially if things get very intense, secluding yourself with some family, some friends, maybe staying away from areas that this person may have, like physically making sure that you remove yourself from danger, but also doing some work to protect yourself. So what I want you to do is take two bay leaves, 
On these bay leaves, you're going to write Psalm 69, verse 23. Make them become blind as bats. Give them shakes from morning to night. You're going to write it on the bay leaf, and then you're going to stick each one of these into the soles of your shoes. You're going to pick up the soles of your shoe, put the bay leaf inside, and you're going to walk on this. And what this will do is it will make you invisible to your enemies. Bay leaf is a good way of protecting from harm. It's a solar plant um, that interestingly works on the sun's ability to blind people, which is why it's often used to hide on magical working or to hide a person. So it's like invisibility, but it's a solar type of invisibility. And so in this case, what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Lord to blind your enemy to you. So this is a protective working to keep you safe. And so long as the bay leaves remain there, you'll be able to go about your day safe from the sight of this person or any type of intervention. Then I'm going to, there's two more workings that I would recommend here. And then you're going to up the ante depending on the situation. You're going to first start by taking the photo of this individual, put the, write their name on it, and then you're going to turn it around and you're going to say jailed, nice big bold letters jailed or caught, nice big command. And you're going to take a big black marker and you're going to cross out their eyes on the photo and cross out their mouth. You're going to put a pinch of salt in the center of this and fold it up. Then take nine devil's shoestring and with black thread, bind the folded paper with the devil's shoestring. So you're just going to create like a bundle. The paper and then nine devil's shoestring. It's going to be a little tricky to navigate, but you'll be able to do it. Nine devil's shoestring, and then going to wrap it around with this black thread or this black twine. I'm going to wrap it up and knot it nine times. You're then going to bury this at a police station. If you can't get to a police station, then you're going to bury it at the grave of a police officer. Leave three coins and ask the police officer to go forth and catch this person. This will catch them. I've done this before for criminals. I've done this before for people who are, have on a warrant out. I've done it before for people who are dangerous. They will get caught, whether you're buried at the police station or you're buried at the grave of a police officer. It will bind them up and it will get them caught. If you are working to completely eliminate the person, then you can speak to the spirit of the police officer and say, don't just take them to the grave, don't just take them to the uh, jail, take them to the grave with you. So you can ask in that regard um, and then let the, the spirit of the police officer take it from there. But again, leave three coins there. If this, if this takes too long, this will work. It's, a, it's one of those things that like, if I've done it before. It's very, very good. But if it takes too long and you need to up the ante, you need to increase the heat like they're going to ferret this person out from wherever their hole is. Again, make sure that you're safe first because the next part is going to increase the heat and you want to be somewhere where you don't get caught in this person losing control. So what you're going to do is, again, take their photo. This time, put it into a pot. Cover it with water. Add salt and pray over the salt. Salt, I ask you to expose and reveal this person and make sure that they are caught. Salt will do whatever you tell it to do. It's very good. It's protective. It's cursing. It's crossing. It's revealing. It's all of those things. You're then going to put the pot on to boil. You're going to turn the heat on on your stove and let it boil. And you're going to let it boil, 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 and then you're going to turn it off. And you're going to repeat that 
over the course of three days. This will, the, the photo will completely shred and disappear in there, but you're going to keep this until it's completely boiled away. And what this will do is if this person is hiding, it will trip them up. It'll make them mess up. It'll make them lash out. It'll make them do something so that they get caught and exposed. And there's instances where like people will be like, wait, your name sounds familiar. I just saw a warrant with your name on it. Things like that that will completely get them caught. But only do this if the other working with the nine devil shoestring is taking a little too long. If three, four weeks have gone by and this person hasn't been arrested, that's when you put this thing on to boil. But for now, start with the protection working of the psalm with the baileys, then work with the photo and the uh, devil shoestring and bury that. And that should be enough. If not, then you've got this other thing in your back pocket. So that's my recommendation here. There's sort of three workings that are designed to keep you safe and to really get this person caught and where they need to be. Those are really three great workings. Um, I have I have uh, a lot of uh, confidence in those. The third one with the um, salt is really, really strong. It's also used sometimes to identify and find a thief. Mm-hmm. Um, and liars. It's a, in liars, right. Um, but I think that this approach, doing first one, then the next, then the next, will keep you from having to be overwhelmed with too much spell work. It's a good three-part thing. Um, really, really loving this one. I also am a fan of using the grave of a policeman. I, too, have used that particular form of work, and um, and it has been uh, excellent for me. As I said in describing my own situation, never underestimate the fact that the policemen, there are good policemen, and they may want to help you and go above and beyond, including the dead. How about you, Elvira? Do you have anything to add to this? No, I think I, the the things that have been talked about are excellent, and you know, I feel really good about all of what I heard, and I'm for that. <laughs> yeah. This brings to mind a friend of both of us, Elvira, a woman who used to come into our shop all the time. I don't want to call her name, who had a stalking ex. Do you remember that? You may oh, or may not. Yes. You do know yes. who I'm talking about, a little dog. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. Um, gave her variants of these same spells, too. And I'm mm-hmm. pleased to say, and I'm not trying to brag, she came back and said it was all over and I had saved her life. And uh, so I, these spells that um, that Conjurman gave are very good old-fashioned spells. They're all through African-American folk magic. You can find them everywhere. They're not unique to him or to me. Very traditional. Give them a try. All right, next up is our Bernard Herman appreciation moment in which we mention that Bernard Herman, the composer known for his strangely discordant chords, had a mother named Ida and a cousin whose surname was Cohn. And my grandmother's name was Ida Cohn. And when my astrological chart was compared to Bernard Herrmann's chart, a friend of mine who's an astrologer and a musician said, oh my God, Bernard Herrmann must be related to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so in honor of Bernard Herrmann's 
Quadrant Discords, we now bring you the Network ID Tritone. LMC. <laughs> You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Book Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurement, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voice, Tuesdays, 4 to 5. The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield in syndication, Wednesdays. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Miss Phoenix Lafay in syndication, Thursdays. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. <laughs> And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Miss Elvira of Elvira.com in Arkansas. Take it away, Miss Elvira. I still can't believe it's Arkansas. I keep hearing. <laughs> okay, so what I have is to use the tarot deck, Major Arcana. You take the fool, you put it on the right, meaning the east side. You take the mage or magician or the high priestess, whether depending on sex, and you put that in the south, and then you go to the west, and you use the empress or the emperor, again, regarding whether it's sex, the person's sex or yourself. And then at the top, you will either use the hermit or the moon. Again, this is for the, the crone or the, the wise one, either one, but about the sex. In the center, you will put the, um, the fool or a... Uh, one of the major arcana cards that represent an action that you want to have happen with your life and move forward in on a spiritual level or a physical level, and a selenite. Now, you will do this. You will pray. You will meditate on this every night starting from the dark moon and going to the next dark moon. And when you are done, you will take the selenite and you'll put it under your pillow and you will sleep with it for a period of at least a 30-day period. Wow. That's really, really neat. So um, this is this is a, a wonderful working because it uses the tarot cards um, as magical emblems rather than as mm-hmm. divination. You're going to mm-hmm. get that energy that you want to get or that goal you want to reach. Um, this ritual is... Um, really well thought out. To me, it is. There's another one I'm going to comment on because this was pretty short. There's another one that I've seen used where you take um, a card that represents you, and it would be from the Major Arcana, and then three cards, like a three-card layout, that you select to represent where you are now, how you're going to get there, and where you want to end up. And then you have the card that represents you. And every day you move your card along this path 
It's a different version of something very similar. And um, you can mark each day with a, a small candle or something like that. Um, these kinds of uh, tarot spells we covered in a show on spellcasting with tarot. And mm-hmm. this is a new one on me. This is a different one. So, Contraman, do you have anything to say about this one? No, I find it fascinating. I, both of these approaches are very new to me, uh, but I love the idea of also, it's like you, meant, you mentioned this, cat moving the card along as if it's like actually on a path. Um, I love the way in which the high priestess and the hierophant are being used, also in, as Elvira's working. It's very mm-hmm. cool and very much reflect that those two cards are mirror images of each other to some extent mm-hmm. and reflect very similar uh, expressions. Um, this type of this type of approach to the major arcana is incredibly rich and incredibly beautiful, uh, and speaks to just how much symbolism is jam packed in these mm-hmm. images. We look at them and we go, we think of divination cards and we think of them as fortune telling. But like, if you ever spend just a little bit of time looking at each one of these cards, they are so rich in symbolism and subtle symbolism, right? Because like, there's like, have you ever, anyone's ever looked at Aleister Crowley's deck? That has symbolism too, but it's like so much. You're like, all right, stop. <laughs> Alistair Crowley's <laughs> deck is a bit of a visual, a bit, a bit visually painful for someone like myself who really likes the sort of aesthetic, clean, earthy look of the Rider White. But like, you pick up something like the High Priestess, you pick up like something like the Hierophant, and the symbolism is just so incredibly rich, but also organic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, Another layout that can be used on a altar is to put the... Remember I mentioned that there were three angel cards and four if you count the devil. And you can put those four cards out and in the center you would put the Wheel of Fortune. This is where you have um, a situation that you feel you can... I guess the word I would say is um, understand the um the way it's going to work you know you have the lovers with one angel you have judgment with another angel you have temperance with third angel and then the devil and these are different areas that you might want to look at in your life and the wheel of fortune in the center nicely the wheel of fortune is just nice and circular and you can stick a candle in the middle of it and uh, that's a, a good way to set up a meditation also. I would, um, generally speaking, I would put um, the lovers opposite the devil because they're sort of mirror images of each other or not, or invert, you know, emotional inversions of each other. Mm-hmm. And then judgment and the uh, temperance. Um, they just make a nice set, and you can start thinking about angelic beings and also demonic beings that you may or may not want to bring into your situation. The Wheel of Fortune has four more angels on it. Those are angels, animals with wings. Mm-hmm. So that's a good, um, a good meditation on those. And, you know, these types of uses of um, tarot cards as altar layouts can also be just made into something even more simple. You can just take a printout of a tarot card, blow it up a little bit, print it on paper, and glue it to a vigil candle. A white candle would do, or a colorful candle if you want one. And it becomes a prayer to whatever that tarot trump 
represents. All right. Thank you so much, Elvira, for bringing us this topic. It's been really great. And um, as usual, it, it, it opens up and stretches the meaning of the tarot considerably. Definitely. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to um, bring in James. He's going to give us our announcements. And then after that, we're all going to come back and, and mumble our goodbyes in our each own and separate ways. So take it away, James. Thank you, Ms. Kat and Conjurman, and thank you, Ms. Elvira of Elvira.com and Arthaspaw for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Miranda of Miranda Tarot of Instagram in Minneapolis, bringing us the topic of railroad magic. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live at Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show dot html. For all of us at Monkey Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Doug Band playing the Doug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Thank you, James. And Reverend Art just posted breaking news on uh, tomorrow's uh, Mystics and Mages and Magical Places. Doc Murphy will be a guest, and right. it'll be... Doc Mur- Murphy versus the Occult AI. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> hey. That sounds <laughs> like a good one. I'm really, really happy to know um, that that's going to be taking place because Occult AI is something that we've all been worried about a little bit, and I can tell you from experience. Um, all right. Well, I have nothing more to add except, you know, now you can buy cinnamon sticks from Lucky Mojo, which you didn't know you could because we forgot to put it on the website for 25 years. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh dear. It's like, whatever. Oh. And, and for all those interested in Bernard Herman, go to YouTube and look up a guy named Film Scores Rundowns. Film Score Rundowns. Uh, that's it. Good night. Good night.